Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to your favorite live comic book podcast, X's for Podcast, where we talk about magic, mutants, marbles, Cronus Gimmick classics, and more. I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Hey, everybody, it's Nathan, and you can find me online at Dazzler AOA. That's like Dazzler in the Age of Apocalypse on mainly Twitter, but all the socials everywhere, whatever, and in the Double R Diner. And I'm TK. You can find me at xnatexgrayx and uh, doing my last semester at Strange Academy. Which I can't believe it's like over. We're at like the end of Strange Academy almost, kind of. But we have a lot of stuff to talk about before that. We're here today to talk about like the seven recent releases from Marvel that you need to check out to have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the Marvel Universe. We're seeing a lot of change over in the Marvel Universe. It's a really exciting time uh, for just about everything. And I feel like 2022 was the first year that we had like really regular like publication for books. And uh, so I put a challenge to you guys to start things off to kind of like talk about some books from 2022 that you guys think are going to be like a big deal or at least, you know, like affect the way we look at things or big writers, however you felt it worked for you, right, that are going to come into play in 2023. And I would love to kick off the show with a look at those, right? So uh, first up, we have TK. And TK, you had said that for 2022, you had a book that you felt was like a, a biggin. It's not just that I think it's a biggin. It's also that I feel like it might be setting the tone for some stuff that is coming up and some stuff that's going to be important. Um, you know, we all we know that the Avengers are always going to be really important. We know that the X-Men are always going to be really important. Th that's kind of like a given, uh, you know, if all of a sudden they were like, yeah, we don't really care what the X-Men are up to. It would be kind of insane to anybody in comic book fandom. But the real question becomes, you know, if we can take those things as a given, what else is there that we think Marvel is going to focus on and sees as a really important avenue for exploration? And there was a particular book that came out this year that really, uh, in conjunction with a bunch of other stuff, really made me think this is an important avenue. And that was Crypt of Shadows. Mm. And I feel like you've got a lot, of, a lot of really good points there with that character roster having had, like, the biggest year ever for any of those characters. Yeah. And... This has just been a really good year for Marvel horror. And, you know, we're going to talk about Ghost Rider today. Ghost Rider is an incredible horror comic book. I mean, really next level. Ben Percy is an incredible horror writer. And I really feel as though looking at things like the release of Werewolf by Night uh, on Disney Plus this year, Marvel is putting some focus in horror. And I think given that as a genre for them and given the characters that we see in Crypt of Shadows, it really, to me, felt like, you know, pay attention to this. I mean, Nathan, you're like the Moon Knight guy. 
No, Where I there love is it. moon. You are the night. <laughs> Sailor Moon Knight. Okay. All right. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, 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 I'm kind of like upset that I didn't pick this as my choice because um, there's so much horror that's been going on. It's been creeping in a lot uh, at first. Like first time I started noticing it was in a lot of uh, Ben Percy stuff in Wolverine and in X-Force a little bit back. Um, and I do love how Marvel's embracing it and it speaks to my inner goth core heart. So mm, love it. Well, and you know, I I agree with both of you on all of that, and I love all of the characters that we're getting to see have like a really big moment. It, you know, I feel like some part of me is always like, yes, wolf person, yes, <laughs> yes, I am, I am, I am bear wolf person. Hello. So this big moon night minute, a uh, moon night. I can't even. I have to go. Hi. This big like man wolf, werewolf by night. All of like the wolf and wolves having such a big moment has been so exciting and you know it's never a bad thing to talk about giant size man thing you know curse of the man thing was a really fun unexpected little crossover event from 2021 um nika we read that fantastic uh werewolf by night infinity issue that just came out of nowhere and you know we've been reading some other cool werewolf by night stuff it just seems like this is a place where marvel is definitely putting some time and focus and energy and i'm really excited for what that could mean for 2023 well and nathan i know you had a pick for 2022 that you thought was like a book that if you i yes i okay so we have the most amazing uh crew ever and they are of course <laughs> reacting and jake i can't wait to have you on in just a little bit but yeah i did say giant size man thing giant size man thing like len ween i know exactly what i'm doing right so but nathan you had an amazing choice for uh, a standout book from 2022 that's definitely a must see for 2023 it's it's a must read. It's a must read. Um, even even without its importance to what's going to be going on, um, I picked Immortal X Men. Um, I, I feel I feel bad. It's a basic choice, but like it's like <laughs> such a good book. Oh, like yeah. oh my god! Like Gillen has been uh, sort of like heading big events for the X Office. So like we're going into Sins of Sinister, and everything is driven off of what's going on in Immortal X Men. Um, I, I can't wait to see how this shapes. I know we've seen confirmation of most of the titles returning after Sins of Sinister. I haven't seen it for Immortal yet, so I'm like, please, 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 please. But, um, you know, if, if there's one X-Men book from 2022 that I'm going to say, you need to read this to understand what's going on, and this is shaping the future of Krakoa and the Marvel Universe, it's definitely Immortal X-Men. I definitely agree. And I think part of that is because, you know, um, Marvel adopted this like architect structure. Like, uh, I want to say, like, at the same time, they decided that they could be like this artist who's been working for Marvel for nine years <laughs> and has uh, 235 credits under their name at Marvel. They're a young gun. No. They're one of the new rising class of upstart <laughs> artists where I'm like, yeah, no. OK, that guy is like literally 15 years older than me. Uh, <clears throat> all right. But totally cool. I'm here for it. Not dated much, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh. But they also uh, brought in that whole idea of like Marvel architect and that guy who's like, you know, or I wish there were women, but as far as I know, there has not been a female Marvel architect yet, which is really a, 
uh, frankly, it's not a statement. It's a damnation. But, you know, yeah. uh, beyond that, uh, you know, we see this really cool opportunity for writers to come in and be like, hey, what if I lay the groundwork? Sort of the way TV writers, there's like a head writer. And I feel like, yeah, Gillen really has been, at least from the external, no offense, you know, Senors Dugan and Percy. But you know, <laughs> Gillen has been like the the guy playing with all the little Lego minifigs. Yeah, we saw what happened when Percy got a miniseries. It went a bit. <laughs> many, many, many lives of Wolverine were lost that month, and uh, it was it was it was a moment. But I myself had a different pick for uh, twenty twenty two book of the the book of the book, and uh, you know, for me. I think when I think about a book from 2022 that really kind of popped more than the others, I felt that the Devil's Reign event was so central to the rebuilding of the Marvel Universe. And so Devil's Reign was definitely my pick for number, uh, you know, for number one book of 2022 to shape 2023. Uh, And, you know, the cover to number one says it all, but in case you needed it, uh, Mark Bagley, who I'm not traditionally a big Mark Bagley fan. I think a lot of Mark Bagley, uh, like art kind of looks like, um, there's like an age to a lot of the characters' faces, and that's terrific, but oftentimes they're children. So I yeah. don't always think it works, but here it really, it's beautiful. The the yeah. people are structured and positioned, and yeah, let's just focus on Mary and Wilson all the time. They're so fucking great. And uh, I love this miniseries, and you know, I know we talked about bits of it on the network, and I know huge members of the team were big fans, and I just think this is a book to watch for its impact on 2023. You know, I got to say, like, there's been so many mentions of this event still, like, in uh, I read it somewhere, you know, like, Fantastic Four was talking, like, we're still illegal in New York. And, like, Luke Cage is still the mayor. So, like, it's really shaped a lot of the things more than a lot of events that we've seen that have been given bigger um, uh, promotion status in the Marvel Universe. This has actually, like, had an effect. And the showdown between... Matt, Electra, and Frank is going to a new place in these next few months. And what will be really interesting to see is if that is, you know, the resolution of some stuff that was set up in Devil's Reign, or if this is just the next way stop before we build to an even crazier, uh, you know, possible line of storytelling. And because we are so excited for the future of marvel and these titles we're taking a look not just at the books from 2022 that you know rang our bells uh but we are taking a look at the books from 2023 that have already been solicited that are whetting our whistles and uh you know tk i'd like to kick off with your super terrific pick for book to watch in 2023 you know I never thought I would be the person picking a spider book, but the fact of the matter is uh, I have covered hours and hours of one Miss Mayday Parker and through that have really come to find a love of the spider slice of the Marvel Universe. And so my pick was Marvel Voices Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse is not 
stopping anytime soon. It's taking new forms. We've got new movies coming out. Uh, you know, we've got characters like uh, my gorgeous Webulon Weaverberg down there, who I just think is so important, and I'm so excited to see his. It's Web Weaver, um, but you know, I I think what's going to happen with Spider Verse stuff is really we've only scratched the surface so far. And you know, Spider Verse, Spider Bottom, Spider Top, whatever you're here Every for, valid. I would, you know, and Spider Non Anal. I'm here. Spider to, slide, spider slide. Whatever makes you happy, Nathan. Uh, what are your thoughts on Spider Verse voices in 2023? I, I'm really interested to see what this is like. I I think it's an interesting choice to take the Marvel voices line and expand it in the way they are. With uh, I know we've got Wakanda Forever uh, solicited in the Spider Verse one. You know, it definitely looks like we're going to be getting to see some of the voices of a lot of our more diverse members of the team since it's in a, a Marvel Voices line. So that's amazing. Um, any Anytime we get more diversity, it's great. It's it's taken me a minute to get on board with the, uh, you know, like specific fandoms for Marvel Voices. But, you know, I'm down for, I'm down to see what it's going to be like. Well, and, you know, speaking of representation we need, there isn't just there just isn't enough representation of lesbians in full-time face masks. <laughs> and uh, I really feel like that's a market that uh, Marvel <laughs> is looking to help fix in 2023. Uh, you know, I just, I worry if she's always in the face mask, how will Sarah Paulson fall in love with her? But um, so anyway, uh, Nathan, you had a pick for book of 2023. Wait, are you on board with the Sarah Paulson, Holland Taylor? A thousand percent. There is yeah, just no arguing with it. They are Destiny and Mystique. There is just right. no arguing with yeah. it. Uh, so my big, I, I kind of like, I'm, I'm really excited about two different books for this year coming up. Um, both of them are debuting in March. So Hellcat, love Patsy as a character. Um, love the classic old school defenders. Really super excited to see what is gonna go on from that and then rogue and gambit which my favorites like they are they are my x-men couple of choice <laughs> like a lot of people are like scott and gene or scott and emma i'm like no it's rogue and gambit um gotta, and you gotta, represent gotta... that with that wig man <clears throat> do you bring that rogue wig realness ah, i should have wore it tonight but you know or my other one got another rogue <laughs> You're a fancy bitch. Right? She's a little evolution. That's right. Oh, the way it could happen. Yeah. Oh, but I say, do you think this is going to be like the last Rogan Gambit series? I mean, it can't be like the last Rogan Gambit series because <laughs> that one, that one made a compelling point as to. Okay. So, uh, if, are you talking about Mr. and Mrs. X or the miniseries before? Because oh, both and or okay. either. Smoosh them. Smoosh them together. Give me the feel. I, I got to say, like, I think the the first mini that had the two of them uh right before when they got back together i think they did a great job of like working through issues setting up a grown-up reason for these two to be back together um i i did love mr and mrs x so much has come out of that like we can't forget we got baby xavier out of that like little baby bird egg baby came out of that <laughs> um so like if we didn't have that the shiar would have no empress right now or maybe death Bird. i don't know but um, and you then know, I, what would Steve Orlando and Teeny Howard even write about? 
true. Um, but I, I feel that Rogan Gambit stuff has done big things before, and I'm looking for something big to come out of this. Or just a really good story showing me my favorite couple. I don't know. I love it. Now, I have a, a 2023 pick that I think uh, I am also on the shame bus. I guess I'm excited about Summer of Symbiots. Okay. It's going to be fun. It's going to be weird. It's going to be slimy. There's a symbiote everywhere, you guys. Every book <laughs> yeah. has got a spirit of vengeance or a symbiote. It's great. I mean, like we saw in Timeless, there might be a Nightcrawler symbiote thing. What? Yeah, but no, Steve Steve has been really excited about this, so I'm like all aboard the Summer of Symbiote trade. It's, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, speaking of Steve and uh, getting this party started just right, uh, we're going to be bringing in some amazing voices, including the aforementioned Steve. And we're going to be uh, rolling on forward with some amazing content for the rest of the year with this new amazing format we've been able to adapt to. I'm so excited. I love doing this live show so much. It's so amazing. And so don't forget to like, subscribe, follow accessforpodcast.com. And uh, I think it's time to roll on into some issue coverage. And so without further ado, I would love to welcome none other than the amazing Steve to the show and pass things over to the incredible Nathan. All right. You got to introduce yourself. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Oh, wait, I, unmute. Oh, wait. Muted. Still muted. Fixed. There we go. All right. That's my bad. Yeah. Hello. It's me, Steve. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Howdy Duda. That's H O W D Y D U D A. You can find me other places. You can find me on Tumblr. You can find me on Mastodon, I suppose. Hive, if it's still there. I'm on those places. It's good to see you all. Good to see you too. We love having you here. Love you. So I guess that brings us to Timeless number one, which is kind of strange because we had a Timeless number one last year, yeah. right? <laughs> it's 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 gonna be it, it's it might be historically hard to figure out which one is what. Maybe we should just call this Timeless 2022. Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised they didn't do that. It yeah. should have just been Timeless two. We got a Crypto Shadows one and another Crypto Shadows one. It's they're just doing that now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. This was this has been a fun ride with this timeless series. The first one set up Miracle Man's return back into the Marvel universe, uh, back into Marvel publication. I know Nico was super excited to see Miracle Man come back. So like, yeah, but I'm um, a year older, and where the fuck is he? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that was that was, that was what kind of got me going into this. Like, hmm, okay, they set up Miracle Man. Yeah, we've gotten some reprints and maybe some like stuff going on with miracle man but we haven't really seen miracle man make his mark on the marvel universe at all um and and not really much new stuff so i was i was kind of like going into this like okay hmm how is this gonna be but i know that if jed mckay is writing a story (laughs) i am probably going to be all on board which i was um, so we got Jed McKay as our writer for this. We got our pencilers, Greg Land, Pat Searchler, and Salvador LaRocca. Inker, Jay Leistein, uh, Pat Zucker, and Salvador LaRocca. And colorist, Frank DeMata. And our letterer is um, Ariana Mayer. I love Ariana! Um, so, 
what were your expectations going into Timeless? What were you what were you hoping to see? And did you get what you wanted out of this issue? I was hoping for Kang. Oh, Kang? Did someone call? Wait, hold on. There's a bit. It's really cool. Kang? Wait, it's fun. Hold on. Ha-ha! Right? So, uh, this is our wall of Kang. And this is what I was really excited for. It's a lot and, uh, of Kang. I feel like every time his name comes up, he's going to pop on screen because I'm so excited about the wall of Kang. The gloves Kang is really... Uh... That's No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Peach, Peach Kang, that was awesome. Mm, love it. I mean, you know, that is kind of the fun thing is like, Timeless promises you Kang and it delivers Kang. You know, what else it delivers is a big, <laughs> is a big question mark. Uh, but you know, he's right there on the cover. You know, there's going to, it's timeless, but in fact, there's a lot of time. We're going to go through a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, we don't necessarily know what times we don't know how they all flow together, but it is not as timeless as the title would lead you to believe. There's quite a bit of it. Um, I think the big thing is that I was expecting a bit of a continuation of what we got last time, you know, maybe not picking the author up again and being like, write more stories about me, but that you know i like the setup for that i said at the time like this feels like they're the start of their doomsday clock like that miracle man reference feels like the little thing that is left that we expand into and i guess technically it still could be but we didn't really get any movement on that throughout the year and this was not movement towards miracle man coming into the marvel universe this is movement in a wildly different direction not a bad one but maybe not what I was expecting. I uh, I am so happy personally that we are not moving in any Doomsday Clock-like directions. <laughs> Nothing in anywhere near adjacent to that. I'm happy about that personally, but I, I know that Miracle Man means a lot to some members of this podcast. Uh, it's it's not about Miracle Man. It's about Doomsday Clock. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I came into this issue having read the last years, and so expecting. Uh, a comic book form solicits for the next year's major events and some of Kang thinking some Kang thoughts. Um, I got a lot of Kang thinking some Kang thoughts, which to yeah. me is great. I really enjoyed this. I really like Jed McKay's take on Kang and I really enjoyed it last time. It was great again this time. Um, story's a little thin. I think it's a, it's a setup for what's to come in Jed McKay's Avengers, which I'm very excited for, but uh, the solicits were interesting, because a lot of the stuff that showed up in here, unlike last year, was stuff that we, like, yeah. totally know what is happening and has already been solicited or built up, like, Red Goblin's not surprising if you read Mar Marvel solicits. That's just... Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, I mean, the only thing I was kind of like, oh, what's this? It's like, Wolverine Ghost Rider, and... Yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, this... Is that the spirit of variance or the spirit of vengeance? Ben, first crossover coming up soon. I think we're getting spirits of everything. I think this summer is going to be the summer of symbiotes, and then we're going to get like the winter of spirits, and then <laughs> we're going to get like the fall of shields, and maybe everybody gets a fucking shield, and then uh, before you know it, it's going to be like summer of gauntlets, and everybody gets a gauntlet. I'm waiting for the spring. I'm waiting for the fall of hammers. And that Ooh. way, like, right? And then, like, we got, like, all the Thorcore. Dazzler, like, pulls the hammer out of her truck. 
that I don't know the van. Uh, Rain like hammers already came out last year though. But listen, we can all agree that the most important preview was the return of the Pet Avengers. Yes. I, wait, and I I have seen that already, and I don't know where I've I'm like I already knew the Pet Avengers were going to be a thing again, and I don't know why. I cannot think of where I saw that. Okay, looking at that, does Nick Fury have a dog? Yeah, does Nick Fury have a dog? Because the dog with the eye patch is a golden retriever. Who else? Is that Nick Fury's dog? I can only dream that it's Nicholas Joseph Fury having a dog. Oh. I mean, yeah, it, that's that seems to be the indication. But I, as far as I know, like it, this might be a new character. Does anybody know who the person with the star that looks like Nico's chest star on the shoulder is talking to what looks like an incarcerated Doctor Strange or Tony Stark or Kang or any of the Marvel guys who look exactly like that guy? Hit me with a page number. Uh, I don't ha I have the comic, uh, but it's the first time <laughs> Kang is called. Define a page number. <laughs> I don't know. But Hold on, I'm looking right now to see if I can uh, get it for you. We see Tony Stark looking at an empty bottle. We see Beast doing his weapons next stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's... Uh, the house is on fire, Fall of X, etc. It's page 16, Nico, in uh, the library version. Thank you. Um, that could be Bucky? No. I thought it was Bucky, but... It, it could also be, I don't know, North Star or Aurora. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I thought it was like Aurora for a minute. <laughs> like, Steve's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? That's actually, that's so funny that that came up because I, TK and I were just <clears throat> discussing today how, like, if you Google Aurora, you're just fucked because there's nothing. It's, it's so sad. Like, if you Google, like, even somebody, like, I was Googling a few obscure characters, and, like, you know, uh, Akihiro Fang is not that obscure, but I don't think he's a crazy popular character. And just, like, yeah. fan art. Every person that's ever drawn him. Sexy photo, sexy photo, sexy photo. Aurora, like, no matter what the search terms, it's, like, the three same images. Like, two of them are fan art. One of them is from X Factor. That's it. Nothing else. No one and cares. And then a helpline. Oh, and the, the yellow outfit? The yellow outfit Aurora. I wish the yellow outfit. No, it barely came up. What? Okay, maybe I searched for the yellow outfit because I'm weird. <laughs> I dream. I dream of the day that people respect the yellow outfit. The yellow outfit rocked, but I think the weird nun outfit, like around the late, like early hundreds of Alpha Flight, that was amazing. Uh, I also, I just want to ask, did everybody else think that the um like best part of this issue was art wise was the colors i just Gorgeous colors the colors yeah. were like for me visually the best part especially yeah. later on in the issue like page 31 and on with all of the uh sort of color gradient work well normally i think color gradient work can come off a little not perfect if not yeah. perfect i thought this really had a lot of personality i was really excited by the color more than some of the line art yeah, Dermot yeah. did a really good job. I, I really appreciated that. I, Greg Land knocking out of the park. Uh, right. Surprisingly. For my money, and that's not something I say often. Uh, yeah. But do you know who wants to say hi real quick? King! Oh, wait, no. There he is. Yang! Hi, King! Sorry, I just love this wall of Kang so much. I want to cuddle it. The wall it's of really Kang good. It's really All credit symbolic. to Kevo. How would a Wall of Kang cuddle feel like, though? Would it be like all of time cuddling you at once? Or like. Oh. It'd be very sharp. 
Ooh, that sounds sexy. Um, and this so, music is making it so sexy. Yeah. So. I, I gotta ask. I gotta ask, um, especially to you, Nico, but to everybody. How did we feel about Merlin and Arthur and all of that stuff being used outside of Otherworld and Otherworldian feats and classic Excalibur lore? I say I, thank God. I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so tired of the Otherworld version of Merlin and the Otherworld version yeah. of Merlin. <laughs> he's, like, he's the worst. Yeah, it's good to see a, a techno dystopian Merlin and his Twilight Court roundtable. It was fun. I completely agree. Uh, and you know what? Like, for the other half of that, for my money, like, Jed McKay, I think, is someone who, while... The only thing I wish is that I had a little bit more, like, strong women from Jed sometimes. Mm -hmm. He does write just, like, a lot of very male-heavy books, which is kind of the nature of the assignments he's given. He's given a lot of assignments that time with major film and TV products. So I understand that he's writing the hand he's given, and I'm a little disappointed that his Avengers run is, like, two women. But, you know, maybe they'll wind up being, like, six women on it, and we just don't know yet. It's hard to judge from a first cover. But, um... You know, I one thing that I do really love about Jed McKay is his embracing of things that aren't necessarily his. And yeah. I feel like his like love of pantheons and his love of other people outside of his world that fit in his worldview, he's really expressive about inclusion. And so it was interesting seeing him after all of his work on Strange with Gods and all of his work with Moon Knight on Gods, work with someone that, you know, it's sort of like a magical pantheon that we think is kind of maybe for the fact of its whiteness very mundane. And I, uh, I just thought it was really fun to see a treatment of characters that I'm usually a little eye roll about from somebody that handles characters that the treatment of usually causes an eye roll <laughs> yeah. so well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be fair, giving me like a warlock green knight is pretty fucking rad. Way to go, amazing. Lancelot was like so amazing, kick ass. It's a really interesting group. I I have a lot of questions, uh, which you know is obviously the point. But uh, I I certainly am happy to be moving away from uh, other world Arthurian connections. I guess it just feels like um, these didn't, these could have just been new characters. Like, I didn't necessarily need for them to be uh, derived from Arthurian legend. And if that is part of it, then my question immediately becomes okay, do they have a connection to the other world people? Like, is that, do we, should we expect that down the line? Uh, I feel like it's always going to be kind of difficult to, uh, disassociate the two so eventually that story is going to have to come and you know i the the character designs are all really cool uh galhaut with the mohawk is just the most gorgeous creature um but you know i given what happened with miracle man i'm like did you just entice me with something that i have so many questions about that i'm not going to see anything from them for a year plus now so I mean, it's always it's always interesting when somebody pulls in Arthurian stuff, but I, I personally, I see this as making a lot of sense because these things are like, it's Kang's shit, right? Like, Kang is all, Kang's all about that, like, Alexander the Great, he's all about Shakespearean language, he's all about Arthurian stuff, he's a knight, he refers to his battle armor as Raymond, like, all the Big time. white legacy yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's his thing like he sees himself as a knight and that leads me into my next point which is we all know who Merthen is right like do we do we need to say it out loud on the pod you're thinking it's Kang right it's Kang <laughs> it's, I'm sorry it's Kang right like if I'm wrong that's fine but it's a Kang story it starts off with him being like who could have burned down this like planet of Alexandria I was like it's Kang <laughs> Uh, and, and it makes sense that it would be him too, with uh, especially since he's got an ebony blade from the future. That like, uh, hello, what is that connected to? Arthurian legend and lore. So like, yeah, and, and he's a metal mask wearing time traveler. You know, with like his team of heroes that Kang always needs to assemble to get a job done. Kang's like, I need to get a team of heroes, and then literally Merlin then comes in and is doing exactly what Kang's plan was. And I'm like, oh, it's Kang. <laughs> Well, speaking of doing exactly someone else's plan, I've seen this chessboard, motherfuckers. And the last time I saw this chessboard, it was with a sassy man named Mephisto. And so I'm like, talk about using someone's exact plan. The last time I saw this chessboard was in Jason Aaron's Avengers. And I'm like, who are all these chess pieces? And then I'm like, one of them looks a lot like Sinister from the back. Yeah, and that's that's Mr. Like, yeah, these chess pieces. One of them looks like Doom. You know how I can tell the chess plate boobies because oh, yeah. when they are not rendered right, they just look like giant areolas. <laughs> it's just too much to handle. But uh, they look great here. And so then, um, Ultron, Ultron, and then and Baron Mordo. Baron so Mordo. That's, that's Mordo, who we're seeing from behind. We think. I believe so. He's got the same um, things on his shoulder. Because I wasn't sure if it was like Dracula, and it was I had to look him up. Yeah, because like you know, with Drac having like, I wonder if they were just done with vampires then. Like, I'm uh, I'm really curious about who the power players are going to be in this because that last page doesn't give me any indication. It says all of like you said the crossovers we already knew were coming. Yeah, oh. I'll say I hope it is Mephisto. Can you imagine if Jed McKay makes the big villain of his Avengers run Mephisto? Oh. <laughs> but it would be really funny i would love it i wouldn't think it's disrespectful yep. of jason aaron at all jason aaron's like there's 616 mephistos who gives a shit <laughs> and we have no idea how this avengers run is going i mean it could end with mephisto being like you got me this time but i will literally be right back and then we just go into jeb mckay's run you'd be like you got me now but i'm already here again Exactly. It's technically Satan, you know. I know you already beat me in Jason Aaron's Thor, and I know you already beat me in Damnation, but beat me again. Why don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm going to keep coming back four times in a row. Uh, Why not? So, great. We already talked about the chess pieces, was one of the things I definitely want to make sure we talked about. Um, uh, but what do we think about the future glimpses that we got to see? Are there anything that you are excited for that you didn't already know about? Like, I already knew about the brood Carol Danvers thing, so that's actually already going on in her title right now. Um, and then I was I I thought it was just Miles Morales, and then when Steve was like, "No, that's got Nightcrawler hands and feet," I was like, "What?" So that I'm excited for. That's uh, the actually uh, that character is on one of the covers of one of the Sins of Sinister storylines. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, Wait. that's on the cover. That's the variant. Yeah, the Nightcrawlers. Of the Nightcrawlers story. Oh. That's uh, from that. So. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, there's a really beautiful variant of Nightcrawler Spidey uh, on the cover uh, that I shared with uh, Jonah, who those are his like, two favorite characters at Marvel. So like that is so designed for him. I just keep hoping that that giant bird is literally Mystique Phoenix. 
<gasps> it's gotta be the crow with the metal hands and the four eyes yes i think it's just gotta be mystique phoenix from uh avengers because who the hell else is a giant bird Raven the other two was dark phoenix was like oh that was so good but yeah i didn't even think of that but that's, that's who it's gotta be because she lives in a world of animal anamorphic animals however you say that and animal people like the yeah. hellfire people were pigs so yeah they were literal pigs and they were like it was yeah, I, yeah there were us uh, the caricatures that were perhaps as tk pointed out better left not addressed yeah let's, yeah let's just pray they never come back also i really desperately hunger for uh this incredible logan wolverine uh hybrid of uh, logan wolverine good night ghost rider wolverine hybrid uh, I am very excited about that. I am very frustrated that it looks like, is that someone from X Force getting an egg? That's our. That's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another one that you know. Um, it's also the the one with uh, Black Panther and Namor. Listen, like two characters I absolutely love. They had a really bad fight in Avengers versus X-Men. And I just feel like ever since then, the only thing they can talk about is how they are mad at each other about that fight, which like compared like Cyclops killed Professor Xavier and they're just like, you know, like it's, I can, we can move past this plot beat. Like I don't, it's not especially compelling one way or the other to see them working together or fighting at this point. It's been years. So much stuff has happened with Phoenix stuff. I just, I truly don't care anymore. And I'm hoping whatever this is can move them to a place where they never have to be like, I hate you, but I'm reluctantly working with you. I respect you. It's just like, I don't need it. Yeah, maybe they're, they're mad about stuff that happened in Infinity as well. And yeah, yeah. or uh, just mad because that Namor is the reason why Storm and him got divorced. I mean, and really. drowned Wakanda. <laughs> maybe perhaps there was a little bit of genocide. Maybe perhaps a little bit. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe just a little. And then they destroyed Atlantis. It was a whole thing. But yeah. yeah, it was a whole thing. It was like a. But then working thing. together is not a surprise because you could see that in like any page of any pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. And, and in there was the page of like the Bishop's War College, which I was like, okay, but we've already like had solicits for that. And it doesn't show any of the surprise Nubians. It just shows armor and surge, the two we already know. Yeah. Which, you know, I think the big magic of like a ooh, what's coming preview issue is it gets you excited. And when you're just like, hey, guys, we're going to sell you a copy of the May solicits <laughs> instead of letting you pick it up free from the counter, you can dress it up with great writers and great artists. But I'm still going to yeah. think this was a B-plus trailer yeah. that ran for 48 yeah. pages. It's a B-plus trailer. I love it. The use of a dramatic song from the 90s redone in a very dark atmospheric way by a deep voiced woman who's relying on the bass to sell the entire song is terrific here. But it is 48 pages of that. And unfortunately, some of the like beats that we get of things that we haven't seen, for instance, just this the Council of Beasts. Um, I, that's not like visually it's really unfortunate because it is literally just the same beast copy pasted and also like 
not a character who is i think exciting to i think everybody we're a little like we went past the time to see beast get his comeuppance and now we're like kind of has to happen and then we got to move on because it's just been 36 plus issues getting anywhere near it so like yeah exactly it it stopped being fun and like you know tony stark near a bottle always bums me out i don't think we should ever be doing that story um oh seriously so i don't know dealing with addiction right now but i honestly don't want to see him go back to drinking like he can be addicted to pain pills and that sucks too that sucks in a different way but it's not such a crushing defeat as like the demon of the bottle coming back and it's just if the wrong people touch it it starts to get really um yeah i mean at best let's say inappropriate uh you know i I, i'm we're still waiting to see how this uh, sage alcoholism story you know again talking about x-force still seeing waiting to see how that pans out but like it definitely needs to have said some things in the next couple of issues otherwise it's really problematic that's why i'm just like you know yeah you can be addicted to other things like you can be addicted to superhero things be addicted to like needing the praise of saving the world and like you can do the stories metaphorically and i will love them but like when it's actual alcoholism you need to really sell it or it's a big problem yeah it feels oh please by all means oh no i was gonna say it's unfortunate that tony always keeps going back to it because that was a big part of carol's story for a while but they don't bring that back thankfully they don't bring that back in the same way that they do with tony all the time I'm just glad that it looks like perhaps Sage will have some follow with this. Like, it looks like this isn't done, per yeah. se. Because otherwise, if it's done, then it seems like she fixed it all by listening to the Joe Cocker cover of Get By With A Little Help From My Friends. And I just yeah. don't feel like that can possibly be how we address the first alcoholic woman in the X-Men. Yep. Is she the first, though, or is that Boom Boom? I feel like Boom Boom's is treated as such a joke. And, You're right. well, you know, well, Siren. She... Siren definitely. Siren, yeah, uh, Siren. there you go. Um, but Boom Booms is such a joke; it depowers the ability to talk about it. Yeah, true. Um, true. In a, you know, the joke of it is actually important to discuss as well. The 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 dangers of being a functioning alcoholic and the people who have to let it go because otherwise they have to stop you from living. Like it's it's a painful thing to have to see someone live like that, and that's an equally important thing to say. And I am, of course, not. Um, yeah, well, that's how that's how we got here chamber talking about sage so you know absolutely um so let's switch over to another jed mckay book since we got the same crew for it so let's talk about strange number nine all right so uh, steve's been on a lot of the recordings with me i know their thoughts on this where have the two of you been with the series so far and steve i want you to chime in with any extra thoughts you might have on it as well sure. uh, uh, this is such a tough one and especially now because we know that it's ending very soon and we're getting another strange book and, and you know it really looks like uh steve is uh coming back in his standard form um so at this point it's just like let's just let's just wrap this up so we can find out what's happening and i don't want that for clea like i she is a really cool character and you know i think there are certain beats about her that mckay just nails there are other ones that maybe i don't love as much but that's okay i can focus on the ones i really do like it we're back to these editorial problems of like if the mini is too mini 
if you telegraph too soon why it's mini like you know it just doesn't do justice to the character that has to unfortunately be in this kind of stand-in role uh, I got it real quick before we move on. Just say, Jim uh, McKay, obviously, the writer for Strange Number Nine, our pencilers, Marcelo Ferreira, Roberto Poggi is our inker, our colorist is Yava Chavaya, and uh, Corey Petit is our letterer. I really, you know, I, I feel like I dropped off this book a few times, okay. and I kept bringing myself back to it every time, and the big. I, I want to say the, even the problem I had, because I don't want to say I had a problem. The main reaction I've had is that I feel like in many times they don't give Clea perhaps the space to be the same character that they give. Uh, I, I don't want to just say men to be, but like I feel like I got more out of Jane per se okay. than I got out of Clea. And it's not even, I think, Jed McKay doing something wrong. I think it's that oftentimes Jed McKay was forced to take a character right at the point at which they were transforming for the Marvel Universe. And hold on, I was trying to do a bit and now it's not loading. And so my bit isn't working. Oh, oh bit, you fail me. But so it's, you know, it's this timing of the cinematic replacement, essentially. Not that I think that you know, they're necessarily getting rid of who we knew Clea to be, but they're making room for Clea by Charlize Theron. And yeah. with that in mind, they're not really looking for old Clea per se. They're looking for new Clea. And with, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, that's, that's probably my biggest problem with this arc in the story is it's, it's a new Clea. It's not... It's not the same one it's like clea from like the seven it's not even maybe a new clea but it's like clea from the 70s and not clea from the like 2000 to the 2010s because they've obviously seen each other as divorced and you know maybe not mm, always the best terms but just this whole clea is pining after strange and strange in this issue is a harvest man saying like oh my love and you're still my wife and all of this stuff it just seems like like you're saying, Nico, it's it's aiming for something different completely. Yeah, I um, I've I've gone on record about a lot of this series so far, every other issue, and um, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I have not enjoyed most of the series very much. I'm not a fan of the art. Uh, it's it doesn't doesn't bring me the joy that other series have in the strange universe. The thing that I really wanted, or the thing that I thought I was going to get out of a series called Strange starring Clea was finally getting a look at the character of Clea outside of her relationship to Doctor Strange and seeing, like, who who is she as a woman when she's not just Doctor Strange's hot wife from another dimension? Who is she when she's not Tomamu's niece or Umar's daughter? Who is, who is Clea on her own outside of the Stephen Strange stuff? And because this is a 10-issue series that links the death of Doctor Strange to a new, a new Doctor Strange comic, and because this has to do the work of getting us from one to the other, and because it's about his wife, or his ex-wife, really, his very ex-wife, the whole, every issue is just, to me, when I look back at it, it's just a lot of Clea thinking about, talking about, and acting about Stephen Strange. She doesn't pass the... Bechdel test, even to herself. 
yeah it, it, it's it's her talking thinking possessively about him talking possessively about him pining after him longing for him remembering him and that all makes sense for a character who has just died and who ostensibly she is romantically entangled with i have my issues with that um and it makes sense for setting up a series in which they'll probably co-lead is my th- is my thinking to some extent but it doesn't it didn't give me what i wanted it didn't give me what i expected and it didn't give me what i think the series needed to give for it to be a clea solo series so I, I found this run very unsatisfying as much as like a lot of the stuff that happens in this issue is really interesting sets up high stakes the colors are great um honestly my favorite part about this uh, this issue is i think the dialogue is really romantic even if i don't yeah. necessarily feel like i buy that or believe it for these two characters at this point in their lives and relationships i like i yeah. do think it's really romantically written and i did really like the for your eyes only miss uh, director nun shot that is yeah phenomenal. Legendary. I also thought the lettering was great on this issue. Uh, Strange has had great lettering. Absolutely. And to your point about, like, it's not Clea's book. Well, you know what? I guess they never lied to us. It was never called Clea Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. It was called Strange. And I guess fools us for thinking a book called Strange with a woman who could theoretically be named Strange on the cover would be about the woman on the cover. In many ways, I guess this was a boat show and Clea was here to sell me a boat. But, you know, I guess I would have been fine with this whole thing if this had been a 24 issue book called Strange and it had been about Stranges. And like, we've said this before, but like the Wongification of this book being one of the best parts when this was Clea's book is just disappointing for Clea, not for us as readers who love Wong. It's disappointing for us as readers who love Clea. I also think it could have been like maybe a really good infinity comic because like, Steve, I totally agree with you. Like this is the beats that this hits are kind of like, Oh, you've never heard of Clea before? Let me tell you all the things about her. Her mom shows up. And that's fine. That's really cool. Like, hopefully this gets a whole new group of people into her. But there are readers who have been pretty invested in the character for a while for whom, like, her mom showing up for dinner is not the story. That's, like, a very... like about Steven. <laughs> right, exactly. It's very, like, Clea 101. You know, the beat that she is a, like fierce lover of the people in her life that she loves her husband that she feels a kind of possessiveness that like i feel like is a very male author thinking that's empowering for a woman to be like that's my husband whatever like that's still a character beat but it is a really basic early one that if you have been you know investing in the character for a long time you maybe think those are not the stories that i need right now maybe save those for the free comics that you recommend to people who have never seen the character before so that they don't have to. And Kang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they could hang out. Yeah. Clean and Kang hang out. That would be amazing. I, I think for me, it's, I think it's a well-constructed story and it, and it's very much a Jed McKay story, but it, the, it's a story I just don't like the beats it's, it's doing. So I, I'm not like trying to, I don't want to like shit on the, the creative team at all. I just, it's not a story for me as somebody who 
I had a I had a mad appreciation for Clea. I didn't know much about her, but like every time I saw her appear, I was like, oh my god, she's so cool. She's so goofy. Like, look at her outfit. Like, it's fabulous. Like, she has like Polaris pants. But like, um, you know, like <sighs> I do think it's it's strange that the strange. best issue, <laughs> the best issue I to me so far had been the dinner with Umar, which like you said, TK is very like Cleo 101 kind of stuff. And I think it was, it's probably a good thing to introduce Clea to everybody else. I, I hope from the banter they had together, that was some really cute banter. Um, I, I love how she, how Jen McKay was like, I'm going to name drop Moon Knight like three times in this <laughs> issue. I'm just surprised yeah. Black Cat wasn't there. Right. Who was a what is the best line in this comic? Yes. <laughs> Like there's some there's some great things about this comic. It's just I I don't the story it's telling is not for me, and I it, and I'm loving a lot of it. And I love Jen McKay's work. He's probably like one of my favorite writers in Marvel right now. Like probably like Al Ewing, Jen McKay, Gillen are in a race, and it just depends on what what the last thing I read from them to see who I like more at the moment. But it's just not doing it for me. Um, but. There are some interesting uses of Revenant throughout the series. Um, we had a big surprise reveal for the Revenant that they're going to fight for the last issue, which is da 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 Sentry. Is anybody excited to see Sentry back? No, because he died in something that had nothing to do with this, where he had a really heroic arc that was really lovely, and yeah. he was like part of the Valkyrie Guard of the what, Dead. What are you and... talking about? What comic did he die in that you're talking about? That is the, uh, King of Black. I was in King of Black, but but that was the King of Black uh, Return of the Valkyrie stuff that, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, he dies he's in King of Black or the Mighty Valkyries. Mighty Valkyries. And then yeah, and then he's in Mighty Valkyries after his yeah. death in King of yeah. Black, where he has this big heroic redemption, and it's just like he was literally with the Valkyries the last we saw him. De fuck. Well, he still is. His body is possessed by a million insane ghosts. So. <laughs> That's that's honestly that's high stakes. I, they got me yeah. with that last page. I normally I don't care when I see the century. I'm really I'm really turned off by the century most of the time these days. I thought the best thing that Donny Cates could do with him was kill him. And honestly, like seeing him in this, I was like, all right, these are huge stakes. What do you fucking do with a guy with the power of a million exploding suns full of a million insane ghosts? That's scary. I mean, it's almost like the void. <laughs> yeah. The only problem is. We've got one issue left. We only got one issue left. We're so. definitely solving this, or ending. If even if we don't solve it, we're ending it in the capacity that it's not like. I, you're right. That that setup is really good. And if I didn't know this was ending, or if I knew, if I knew seeing this, like there's something coming up in like the next three months that this could be attached to such that the threat could continue. Yeah, Even if this yeah. book was ending, it would be like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a crazy thing. But I feel like Steven's just going to be like, Oh, that's funny. Cause I'm the sorcerer Supreme of death. So yoink. You're fine. Now. Yeah. They're going to have to be, have a big punch out fight. Like they have in every issue of this book. And yeah, on. And then, you know, the most interesting stuff in here is the Blasphemy Cartel stuff and the Pandora Peter stuff with Juan to yeah. direct your nun. And Agreed. I feel like we've done so perishingly little of that that they yeah. better be a big part of Strange coming up because, or Doctor Strange, I should say, because if they're not, like, what was all this for? Because there's, there's this interesting stuff that never gets explored in the series, really. 
Agreed. All right. So as we are wrapping up coverage of Strange number nine, the penultimate issue of Strange, what are y'all final thoughts? I'm just going to say, I, I got us. I'm obviously sticking with it. I've already bought issue 10. I just haven't read it yet. Um, because I didn't want to cover it until I didn't want to read it until we covered it. So I didn't want to like have those thoughts in my head. But um, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to what's going to come from it. Um, I, I do trust Jed McKay as a writer. And yeah, I, I'm not that interested in Century. I hope his body just like disintegrates again. I'm just excited to see the season of Strange wrap up and roll into the new one. Like I'm ready for the like the clean break yeah. just uh i want more blasphemy cartel i completely agree but i don't need to come back to this arc to get there yeah i mean i ever since the death of dr strange we were leading up to this so uh you know i'm ready to to be done and i you know sometimes i we can just all accept that like even though Steven has to come back to life and be Doctor Strange for Marvel Comics to function, maybe that's a way in which uh, if we just get back to that baseline, Clea can be her own character distinct from Strange. Um, and, you know, for some people, it's always going to be all about Steven. But for a lot of us, we could view Clea in another light with Steven alive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh I agree. Um, I, I'm, I, this is going to sound so terrible, but I'm going to be so happy to be free of this series. Readers, yeah. listeners, audience, if you don't like a comic book series, you can stop paying for it. You can stop buying it. <laughs> I, I had to cover it, so I did get all the issues of it. I'm, Same. Yeah, you know, so I'm happy to be free of the series. I'm looking forward to the new Doctor Strange series. I hope Clea is a big part of it herself and yeah. i hope she gets more space to breathe in it i am gonna go read number 10 because i do have it here <laughs> well steve where can everybody find you yeah. since i believe this is the end of your time with us this week until i'm sure you're with us the next episode i can't imagine an episode of x is for podcast live without you yes well you can find me in most swamps bogs uh fens and monsters usually if you look under a rock that's deep enough in the ground probably true hands at the bottom of it over a wide sieve and you'll find me wriggling there you can also find me on Twitter at HowdyDuda, that's H-O-W-D-Y-D-U-P-A, and at other social media sites. Well, amazing. We will be back after this short commercial break, but don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow all of our amazing hosts online. And we'll yeah. see you after this short break. I am Nico, the world's amazing dumbest boy. And uh, it is... Uh, I'm looking over my notes, and I see that... Uh, Nathan, you just rolled with the punches better than anyone's ever rolled I did. with the punches. I, I was going to send you a message. I was like, oh, I'm so not prepared for doing this. Like, I, had, <laughs> I had the wrong note down on my paper, and I had it that, uh, oh, man, I have bad fruit punch mouth right now. I had it that uh, Nathan was leading Timeless, and he just fucking rolled with it, uh, even though it was supposed to be me. Thank you so much, man. But uh, I do believe you are leading us and two amazing new voices in a, a new segment. Seamless job on that lead, Nathan. Oh my yeah. goodness. I watched the whole thing. I would never have known. Would never yeah. have known that you just oh. rolled with it. Oh, please. I mean, there's been times we've been like before the episode, like, hey, you want to leave this? Do you want to leave this? So you always got to be prepared for everything. So uh, we got two new voices. Introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan and on Instagram at SMTori. That's Tori with an I. 
And I'm Jake. You can find me on Twitter at Omega Sentinel or Oh Me Gas Sentinel um, or yeah. Oh Mega Sentinel <laughs> uh, or on uh, Instagram at The Heart Farmer, as in a farmer who farms hearts. I always love listening to you talk about the being a heart farmer. It was, it was, like bloody great. work. Oh, oh no! I like. I'm thinking they're like little Zelda hearts, but they're like actual like bloody hearts. Oh my god! Oh yeah, it's yeah. a mess. The fields are the few fields are red with blood. <laughs> like my fruit punch mouth. Oh, <laughs> no! Looks like a vampire from the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. All right, so we're We are all gathered here to talk about a character near and dear to my heart. Monica Rambeau, Photon, also has been known as Spectrum, and I'm like Joyce. She'll always be my Captain Marvel. Um, So I I gotta ask, before we get into this beautiful, wonderful issue, uh, written by Eve Ewing, uh, pencils by Luca Marseca, Ivan Fiorelli, inkers Luca Marseca and Ivan Fiorelli, colorist Carlos Lopez, and letterer Crichton Cowell. So, before we get into this issue, what is your relationship with the Monica Rambo? Secret I... Wars, baby. Oh, sorry, I thought oh. we were going in order. Oh, um, I, I, uh, <laughs> oh. I don't have. I don't think I have a particularly special one. Like, she's just an awesome character. Um, and she's been in plenty of stuff that I have loved, but like, you know, I was really trying to think when I read this, like, do I have an iconic Monica Rambeau story or book? And, you know, uh, I don't think I do. I mean, I think I love them all equally. Like, it sounds like I'm saying like, oh, there's nothing that special about her, but it's just like all good. Oh yeah. No, I, I completely am with you on that. Like my relationship with Monica is one of like mostly osmosis uh initially a lot of my relationship with monica was through trading cards and you know like learning who she was through like getting books that would have all of the avengers on the cover and there would be this amazing woman in what looked like a dance unitard um they all did they all did and but with wings with wings and like there was something so amazing about her big beautiful natural black hair that like you know as anybody who's ever felt different you can often find connection in someone else who presents as different and I make a joke about it a lot but I really did have very Cuban Greek thick curly hair as a Cuban Greek boy and so like you know when it all fell out in a lot of ways I was really relieved uh, because it meant no more relaxer on my terrible hair so um but seeing someone so proud of their natural hair and so beautiful, like I became like the wizard magazine fan of her. And like, was there a wizard she was in? I had it. And like, other than that, she just didn't get the kind of place she deserved when we were growing up. So she's somebody that I've had to come to love as an adult. Um, well, she's just, you know, Tiona Paris for me. So I only know her from the movie shows. True. That's, that's a great and version, though. A WandaVision? Mm, that's a uh, beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a. I mean, she's she's. I'm 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 really enjoying her MCU appearances, but for me, Secret Wars was uh, was my original uh, 
sort of my, my introduction to Captain Marvel because to me she will always be Captain Marvel first and foremost because she was my first Captain Marvel and she was like zipping around fast as the speed of light like phasing through stuff being energy being an awesome woman with a really great afro um and eventually like leading the avengers though i didn't read any of that era of the avengers i just i heard tell i heard rumor i heard i heard story of the fabled time when captain marvel led the avengers and was constantly challenged in her leadership because because that's what happens when you're an awesome powerful black woman in charge is you're constantly challenged by inferior people who don't deserve the leadership role like dr druid um so yes uh Secret Wars, seeing how badass and powerful she was, kind of, yeah, she was a Marvel character who lived in in the background for far too long. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing her on that '90s, like every Marvel superhero ever picture that would sometimes appear, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember her from Secret Wars. That's Captain Marvel. Um, and seeing her come back around, uh, really in the Ultimates, and yeah, getting to appreciate her as an adult and and see her as this kind of like professional superhero who's been doing it with a lot of different teams, who really knows the ins and outs of her power, um, who's had some really interesting friendships, connections, relationships in the world of superheroes, getting to see this, this sort of fully rounded character uh, really take star of her own book has been so, so fun and so rewarding. Um, I, I personally must have the most experience with her. I, I end up reading comics in the 90s. You know, as a kid, you get, you're living off of allowance. So you're going to like the 50 cent bins at the comic book stores <laughs> and you're buying comics and you're learning about comics. Then there were a lot of those 80s Avengers <laughs> comics in the 50 cent bins at that time. Oh, um, were there ever? Right? <laughs> it was like, it's like Avengers was. Um, it was really weird and goofy at the time. It just went from Jan being the leader uh, who her run was interrupted by Vision when he took over the world's computers and then she left and, and they're like, hey, cool, let's, Monica, why don't you be the leader? And she's like, oh my God, sure, I'll do it. Why not? Um, but I, I love that her story was she went from, I think it's one of the better Avenger stories. I think the only one who has a little bit better of a Avenger story is Rogue. Because Monica went from being the trainee of the team. She was introduced as just a trainee. She wasn't even a full-fledged member. And within about 50 issues, she became the leader. Um, you know, she really grew as a hero, grew in her strengths as a character before Marina <laughs> sidetracked her career. I mean, the Leviathan. But um, Marina... Uh, <laughs> It's the most consequence a member of Alpha Flight has ever had. <laughs> hey, no, there was the collective man that got some Alpha Flight related crap or whatever. There was that guy. What was the collective, right? That when yeah. Bendis did that, that thing that time. Oh, yeah. When they like, it di everybody died and then they went into. That yeah, guy yeah, yeah. from Canada yeah. or whatever. What was he? Weapon, <laughs> was he Weapon Omega? Is that what he was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that guy. You yeah. guys could literally be describing Mimic's boyfriend. every issue, and I'd just be like, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that guy and Mimic had a very interesting relationship. But yeah, well, I, he, they sure did. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Uh, but yeah, Monica was a definitely a character who, for the longest time after her unceremoniously being kicked off the team and Dr. Druid taking over with this weird Nebula or Ravana, I don't know, girlfriend that he had at the time. Um, 
she kind of faded back into obscurity and she got picked up in the 90s during some like the Operation Galactic Storm, but never really was featured as much as she should have been. Um, I do think Al Ewing has a big love of the character. So when he brought her back in Ultimates, I think that was a really good modern day jumping point for the character. And we get to see a lot of the growth that has been there. Um, Kelly Thompson loves the character because she's so connected to Carol because they were both Captain Marvel. So, you know, she's been showing up a lot there too. So she's really had a renaissance being in the Thunderbolts too. Uh, this is the first time we've gotten a series under her name, although she did get a one-shot as Captain Marvel um, in the 90s, I believe. Um, but this is it's, it's huge. It's a huge day for uh, any Monica Rambeau fans, which surprisingly on Twitter, there are a pantheon of them. Not unsu- not surprisingly, unsurprisingly, there's a pantheon of Monica Rambeau fans out there and more people wanting to see her being used more often. So it's amazing that we get to see this. Um, I think for me, this issue was a good jumping on point for characters who aren't as familiar with the character themselves. Um, I do love the character of Joyce that we saw, the older lady who was like, oh my God, I love you. I have like, and I was like, oh, why is she me? Like that's, that's if I ever <laughs> met Monica Rambeau, I'd be like, oh my God, I have all of your like newspaper clippings and like, you're always be my Captain Marvel. I have all your wizard magazines. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was so much charm. Like it was like exciting to love Monica. You know what I mean? Like you were in the book loving Monica with these characters there was like um i don't want to say folksy charm because it wasn't about monica having the charm the book had the charm it was like you got to be part of this moment that was monica's moment that she's been waiting to have for goddamn ever yes yeah she's she's such a fixture in the community that to finally get the opportunity to step up and and have her story told there have just been people waiting for this in such a big way um and and it's you know it's easy to see how this would be the year for it since her character is going to be front and center in the marvels movie in june june i want to say um so much so the influence of that that they actually changed her name back from spectrum to photon for the synergy of the film according to uh, e-viewing. I've literally developed dyslexia from trying to follow her name changes. The letters are just split, like just spinning in front of me. I'm so frustrated. So here's a couple things that I learned about Monica Rambeau's superhero names while reading this book. One, she has had her name taken twice by Gina Spell. First, yep. she gave Captain Marvel to him being magnanimous. Then, when he was like, I'm done with that name, I'll be, uh, 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 <laughs> She was like, ugh. Okay, okay. And then she became Spectrum. And then she got to be Spectrum until Marvel Disney said, hey, let's make her Photon again because of the movies. Um, so, yes, there's a little whiplash here, but it seems like we've settled on a name, we've settled on a look, a color palette is, we remain with the color palette. It's it's a good time to be Monica Rambeau. It's a good time to be Monica Rambeau. I, I gotta say, out of all the characters that I've gotten to see the the positive fallout or positive effects of having been in one of the MCU properties, I'm really glad that Monica Rambeau is getting the spotlight. And uh, this was I was 
I was begging for the series when WandaVision was coming out. I was like, why is Monica not in anything right now? But we're getting it now. So it's a great lead in to uh, the Marvel's movie, um, which is going to be fantastic. And I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic because it's got three characters that I love so much in it. Um, so wait, they... is, is this going to be an actual lead in? Like everything that's in here will help for the movie or... I think it's more no, that for fans no. of the movie, this comic is accessible because like it's not actually what's really interesting about it is it doesn't require that you know a lot about Monica's background, but there are a lot of editors notes like they really want to remind you that like if you wanted to dive in, Monica's very connected to events that are happening in the Marvel Universe and you could go read these issues and kind of get into it. But I think this is more for people who are like, I recognize this character from WandaVision. I recognize this character from uh, Marvels. I want to know what she's up to. This is a really good jumping on point. And I think, you know, what is tough about a jumping on point is sometimes it gets a little bit reductive and a little bit, um, you know, we were talking about this with Doctor Strange, which is actually not at a jumping on point. It's at a jumping off point. But throughout the, or not Doctor Strange, just Strange, uh, Strange throughout the title has been I a think little you bit mean... like. There she Clea. is. Nuclear Strange. It's been a little bit like, Nuclear oh, Clea, she's this kind of person. Like, it's just been the Clea 101 beats. And yep. what is so fantastic about um, Monica Rambo Photon is. It really isn't trying to do that. It is simplifying and it is telling a, a story that doesn't require loads of lore knowledge, but it is not being reductive and it's not being kind of like, let me retell the same stories over and over again. Yeah, and there was some really clever things it did. Like it sort of reminded us of her first appearance a little bit by spider-man's first by spider-man's appearance in this issue but it didn't like heavily go like oh my god yeah i was there when you got your powers like it, it, it yeah it was a nice nod to it but it didn't like slap me in the face with it you do spider things i am also photon with powers of light look at me look at me marvel captain powers like it, it did <laughs> such a better job with dialogue than that yeah. and like I feel like so many jumping on points are sort of, um, I don't know, somewhere between Muppet Babies and a Home Depot instruction manual in terms of how repetitive and basic it can be. And it starts to hurt my chest a little bit because the pressure of being hit that many times over and over again with a blunt force object is traumatic. But this issue was a celebration of what makes these characters enjoyable. And um, yeah, that description is so real because it it's it's real. It's okay. real. I immediately thought of when you said that. I was like, oh, thank God, it's not an IKEA instruction book that she. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, that's if, even worse. If you've never held a Uline catalog, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, those are so. They're like this thick. If you've never killed a large yeah. bug with a Uline catalog, you don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't love housewives. <laughs> well. I think actually, uh, Nathan, I just realized the time. I think we're at that moment where I'm going to say to you, dude, I think it's time to call for some last thoughts. All right, let's get some last thoughts from everybody. For me, my last thoughts would be, I'm just so glad that she's getting her due. I can't wait to see where this story is going. I can't wait to see how, why she broke up with Blue Marvel. I, I, because I was like, what? Um, I hope she gets to talk to her 
gay cousin Caleb a lot more, even though she's going to be in space. I mean, I hope somehow she gets to, like, call him. Um, I, I just, I can't wait to see where it's going. Yeah, I think the thing I was most impressed by with this book was that it managed to work in a really fantastic personal story as well that was new, um, that wasn't, like, uh, a lot of... You know, I, I will be interested to see what happened with Blue Marvel, but also, like... Uh, will they won't they is uh, is a beat that we don't need too much of so i was really impressed with the personal story for her that it was a family story that you know we also got a gay character which unfortunately we are still a little bit eating crumbs where like every time we get a new one we're like yay we must protect him um (laughs) so you know i'm excited that we got both a great like superhero reference and a really great family reference in this first book and i can't wait to see where it goes I just, I'm really excited because uh, I can't, I can't think of how to get to the joke, but I really want to make a joke about a ton of pho from the <laughs> styling of the cover. It's just like this book has a fucking gay. That's it. That's my time. Hey, has entered the chat. <laughs> that's my time, Jake. It's on you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want to reflect what TK said about getting a really nice family story, getting some character interiority, getting some focus. You know, it's a different thing when you've got a character not in an ensemble book like The Avengers. You get you, you get the lens on on Monica and what she's doing, what she's thinking, what she's feeling. And I think that that's uh, important for readers. And I think it's important for this character to see her kind of continue to stay relevant and important and front and center. We want to know who she is and what makes her tick. Um, So I'm excited to see more of that. Yeah, for me, uh, I was picking up a lot of the same. I'm always far more interested in the person than the powers. Um, So I was actually really excited that we got the like big fight and the dun 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 moment in the middle. And then we moved into more personal stuff, which lets me, I think, lets me know that this series is going to be more focused on the internal of Monica with the outer shell of she's going to destroy the universe, whatever, something or other. So, uh, yeah. And I'm excited for that. I, I love that she's getting that opportunity to really, like, showcase her inner self as well. I love it. I love this. I love this character. She was one of the two women, the black, one of the two black women leaders of superhero team in the eighties. And that's something that like, I don't think she gets enough credit for. Uh, Of course we always give storm that credit, but we don't ever give captain Marvel that or Monica Rambeau photon that credit for having been that person. No, we really don't. And speaking of credit, Tori, Tori Sheehan, my partner in crime, my delightful warrior in excellence. Uh, It is so tragic that you are only with us for one segment this week. But, you know, there are so many amazing opportunities to catch you on this network, like the Billy Club, our continuous examination of all things Daredevil. But where else can they find your incredible self? They can find me wondering if our two black female leaders ever kissed back when they were both leaders over on Instagram. Oh, Storm would totally do that. With an I and on Twitter at Tori underscore Sheehan. If anybody is listening and wants to draw that, please draw Storm <laughs> and uh, Captain Marvel sharing a very dignified, beautiful kiss. Powerful, um, powerful kiss. Oh, yeah. In whatever costumes you want to. Knock it out. <laughs> well, Tori, thank you so much. And um, 
we are about to say goodbye to Tori, one of our favorite correspondents, and switch her out for another favorite correspondent as we switch over titles. Bye. So see you, Tori, and Bye, Tori. hello, one Bye, Tori. Mr. Jonah. <gasps> Jonah! Jonah! Hi, I get to see him for a little bit. Hi, Jonah! Hi, Jonah. Hi, Jonah. Tori, do you just want to hang out for the segment? I mean, you don't have to talk. Uh, you can just hang. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, can like, you can be the point of the character. No, She's I'm like, sure. I got work I to do. I don't, I don't know either of these. I, don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think one's a video game. I don't know. <laughs> one is a video game, yes. All right. Bye, kids. Bye, Tori. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jonah, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jonah. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. That's P-E-A-K. Do you hope we survive the experience? Uh, well, I hope we do. Just like I hope everybody in uh, the Midnight Sun survives the ex- experience. Because, uh, oh boy, we saw a vision and they all died. And there were yeah. plenty of characters in that who were dead that I did not recognize. <laughs> So yeah, we are of course talking about Midnight Suns number four, written by Ethan Sachs, with art by Luigi Zagaria, uh, colors by Antonio Fabella, and uh, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. We're also going to be talking about Strange Academy number three, written by Scott Young, with art by Umberto Ramos, uh, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh... I guess let's start with Midnight Suns. I think that one is a little more complicated and it's going to need a little more of our time. How are you guys feeling about this story? I'm really into it. I really like how I mean this with all the love in the world. No stakes it is. Mm-hmm. There is nothing yeah. in this book I believe will affect anything about the Marvel Universe ever except for the shape of the hearts of the fans that this book impresses and imprints on such that they will reference this in 20 years. But if you are asking me, and I think that you are, if this book is having any effect on the Marvel Universe, it is having the same effect on the Marvel Universe that my save file of it is having on the Marvel Universe. And that's okay. It can just be fucking fun. I actually it's love that so you fun. said that because I do really like this book, but there's something up and it is exactly Sorry, my that. husband got exactly what I was doing. I'm sorry. I was being Jeremy from the pilot of Sports Night and it just made me so happy that he got it. Sorry. That's wonderful. What does everybody else think? Um, so I think the vegetarians are thriving because there's no stakes here. The vampires are thriving because there's no stakes. They don't have to worry about anything. Um, I will say there's a twist in this book that I didn't see coming, but I should have because in reality TV um, fashion, they did a flashback and showed us a character that was important to something, and I fully did not expect that that was going Same. to actually be important to come back up. Same. Same. You can just you can just spoil it. I mean, like you know, if you're if you're watching a number four segment, like. <laughs> <laughs> but you never you... know. This might be somebody's first venture into the title. Every issue is the jumping on point, TK. Oh my Look god, away. you take that Jim Shooter shit and you get out of my studio. Yeah, please, for real. Um, also, I was just so, like, caught off guard. But I thought about, like, why was I caught off guard? They fully hinted at this possibly being a thing. <laughs> it was fully, like, outlined for me. And I was still like, what? The betrayal. <laughs> Overall, 
I am having a lot of fun. I am enjoying this. But I do have some minor complaints, mostly feeling like a little bit of the dialogue is feeling a bit too repetitive. How many times is Nico going to talk about that she feels like she can't do something without her staff? It just feels a little <coughs> bearing repeating of, we got it the first time. We, I thought we resolved this at the end of the last issue. We're still talking about it, okay. Jake, I feel like you feel that way about somebody else's line throughout this series. Oh, man. Wolverine is so <laughs> self-aware in this, uh, this series. My favorite thing about Wolverine is that every time he opens his mouth, every line that he speaks is dedicated to him reflecting on how he's not even supposed to really be here. And, he and the only thing that he's good for literally is sticking a claw into a door lock to open it. It's the only thing he does. And he does it good. Um, I believe he does it the, the best, best at, at the what best he does. He's the best at what he does. Um, and that's a, that's a fun beat because usually I'm I'm so exhausted uh, by Wolverine's omnipresence and everything. Um, it's nice to see Wolverine be just as exhausted as I am and wonder what the hell he's doing there too. By and himself. By himself. <laughs> it's so so that's actually that's really what sucked me into this this book was kind of getting that flavor of Wolverine and I've liked other things along the way too like Tony Stark Sorcerer Supreme who is insufferable I mean if you're uh, if you're coming off of Aaron's Avengers run there are multiversal oh, God, yeah. everybody's and so like we've met a bunch of Tony Starks we've met a bunch of Steve Rogers is so the idea of a Sorcerer Supreme Tony um, we've got an Ant-Man Tony who's just okay. the fucking best so the, idea, he's the best Tony ever, ever. He's <laughs> the best and the sexiest and so the idea of a Sorcerer Supreme one not the craziest thing in the world oh also Catherine Hahn's appearance in this book oh my god interesting that's what I was gonna say like this is like this book is fun like for for what it, for what it really is is a is a cash grab on a game that is also trying to bring Catherine Hahnification to Agatha Harkness the comic to Agatha Harkness it's great but like if you're just looking at it as a comic like it's good it's fun like i i know i don't like yes i have things that i would like to be better jonah like you said there's a lot of um dialogue that's iffy or, or you know like yeah but uh beyond that it, it's fun it's good it's fun it's it's nice to see agatha harkness become Catherine hahn in the comics i was like okay I will say I really enjoy Ethan Sachs' art style on this, or not Ethan Sachs, um, <clears throat> Luigi Z uh, Zagaria. He, for one thing, he has uh, a way of drawing mouths that is really distinct, and it's a little bit cartoony, but also like uh, you know, I want to say like even a little bit like sexy like every I don't know it's like kind of like John Romita Jr. Jr. mouths where they're like a little bit weird but I'm also super into them and I just think it's like it's such a distinct style but it's not house style but it's really comic-y it just kind of hits all the notes that I really want uh there's also like a little bit of Paul Pope in there yeah uh, and you know I just like I think it works really well for this title and you know he's made some really smart decisions in terms of how to streamline because he gives everybody a uniform uh you know in the black and red outfits which also gives us team cohesion there's just some cool detail work here and i think the other thing that this book is that none of us are giving it credit for is 
is it's kind of the magician's light of the Marvel yeah. universe. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's a little bit bisexual. You never know when somebody's from an alternate reality. <laughs> you don't know if no. they're going to break into a musical number <laughs> or why Julie is the best character but sucks in season one. You just mostly want Penny to be okay. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't want but Penny to be regardless okay. Regardless of that, you stand the female character that doesn't get enough storyline, also known as Margot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so, that one's you know, true. This is basically Fillery. Midnight Fillery. And I, that is not Julia's fault. But yeah, and then uh, who's the one I find really hot, Kevy? Is it Todd? Yeah. Oh, Todd. Todd's the hottie? Todd, who was just in White Lotus, um, being being the world's cutest little rube, um, <laughs> who is a... maybe great at sex. We'll find out. Um, so, switching tracks ever so slightly because there's a bit of a connection between these two books, with you know the fact that this all re- revolves around Zoe Laveau, a student at Strange Academy. This all starts at Strange Academy. Meanwhile, over at Strange Academy. We are uh, resolving some some hurt and some sadness and some conflicts, and uh, we're also being a bunch of little shits. So, what's going on with the kids? I okay. I really actually like this issue because it felt more like the Strange Academy before the finals than any the first two issues of the finals. Um, it was it's really cool to see the kids have a rhythm again, get back to things, get back to their normal relationships. You know, I I've got to say I love um, Desi's like demon form. Yeah, like, that's like hot as fuck. And I'm like, oh, how are you, Sim's daughter? Because Sim is never as hot as you are right now. But um, it, it's good to see. Like, I'm I'm glad they welcomed Calvin back. Like, obviously those kids would because that's the kind of people they are. Um, and it was good to see him actually stand by them. Um, and fuck, they like a cookbook summoned a cookbook, uh, summoned Joe McGrath. Like, what the hell? Like, it's fun. Well, okay, that number one, very hot, but number two, hear me out Sim with a beard in a trucker hat as like a piggy bottom. I feel like it could be made to work. I don't appreciate the lack of love I'm getting from the downstairs. It's so crew. Roadhog. It's so Roadhog. I could live with that. <laughs> okay, but if Rob Reyes through that, okay, I could. See yeah, exactly. It, you know, if um, oh, you know, if like Phil Yamines drew it, it would just be underwear models. Whoa. So, um, okay. mm. I, I thought this was a good book. I thought this was a good issue. Uh, I really was not as big a fan of the first two issues of this mini. They were needlessly yeah. bummers. That wasn't my kids. So I didn't need the Buffy season sixification of Strange Academy. And I really appreciate that we are rebounding into season seven with a get it done kind of early. I'm a big season seven defender, so, you know, deal with it. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with this issue. That's a really good way to put it. I'm happy with this issue. What about the bottom two? What do you guys... You feeling it? <laughs> yeah, Spider Bottoms. Because wow. <laughs> before we did Spider Verse, and so now it's spi- get It was a trip. Well, who's gonna go off? Off? Please go off. <laughs> um, speaking of Spider Tops, that doesn't have to do with anything. Um, 
I have to echo the same sentiment. Uh, the first two issues, I don't think were necessarily bad, but we're kind of reading this title, um, and where I think a lot of the enjoyment comes out of is seeing the relationship of these kids, and it's similar uh, to what I think a lot of comic fans fell in love with the idea of New Mutants, where we saw these kids growing up and them learning how to use their abilities and the different relationships that form between all of them. And when the first two felt like drama that didn't... It felt, in a way, scripted reality drama. It felt a little forced, and I don't know if it really meshed as well with the cast of characters that we grew to fall in love with, whereas this issue feels a little bit closer to a return to form of what we're kind of used to seeing them in their roles, but it feels nicer. It feels like they're kind of finding their footing again of being friends and finding that camaraderie that I think we've come to enjoy. So it was really appreciative that we're kind of returning a little bit back to what I think we fell in love with the book for in this issue. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting how this particular issue really seems to work on wrapping up and addressing plot threads that were were kind of like left by the wayside in order to do the the Emily turns really bad thing. Like the the council addresses some of the things from the earlier earlier parts of the Strange Academy arc uh, that never really got fully wrapped up. So we know that there's still stuff happening there. Um, I really loved the way the fair. The fair kind of it, it, everyone's saying return to form, and it is a, such a great return to form in that in that sort of like this is a high school team of super people, so they have to have normalizing things to balance out their super things, and uh, you know a, a fundraising fair makes a lot of sense for that and feels good. Um, I also really I don't know if I was like getting a vibe between Calvin and Alfie, but I felt something. I, I was like I was like they're very close and feel a little flirty right now. What's going on there? I'd love to see that develop. Calvin deserves love. Um, so hoping for that. Also, Desi's new look, Nathan. I agree with you. Totally, totally nuts. Um, and I don't know if anyone else felt like it kind of looked like the dark child form that Ilya oh my god totally and I and I like I want to see it doesn't have like it can be like a, a, a an artistic a, a addressing of that but I think there could be something really cool about this idea that you know when you live under sim like that's just kind of the evil form you take when you go bad oh no we never did learn out who our mother was did we no I mean like, oh wow yeah I think it just I think it goes to show what kind of demonic influence uh you know these these parental figures can really have um, on, on characters like Magic and characters like Desi and how they have a lot that they could talk about and like go off girl. I'll say one of the best rooms that I was ever in for this show was uh, it was uh, Raven talking about Calvin uh, being a a child in the foster and adoption system and how that kind of affected how he presented himself at Strange Academy. And it has really affected my view of the character all the way through. I mean, that was like almost a year ago and we're kind of finally resolving that storyline. And the thing I love about Strange Academy is that they will just happily um, resolve it. Like, it's just like, hey, we're all friends. And like, we went and got Calvin back. And like, we don't even see a ton of what happened with them getting Calvin back. No, they we, just do it. <laughs> they just do it. And we cut Very to freak. the fair. And they're like, yeah. we're just happy to have you back. And, you know, oh. the part of this issue is a, a confrontation with the thing that, you know, 
partially made Calvin bad and it's over really quick and it's just a no and they're friends again and like I love that this book will drag out dramatic plots in ways that are very tragic but when it wants to resolve them it's okay just being like hey we're friends again that we're you know that's just fine well and And Calvin's gonna try hard yeah because this book is about forgiveness that's really the heart of this book in so many ways it's about the learning experience but it's about the learning experience through living a life of forgiveness none of these characters come here absolved of any sin even the characters that have no backstory ultimately have a complex backstory each featuring something they're embarrassed about but it's in finding forgiveness for each other that they're able to learn forgiveness for themselves it's kind of a moralistic tale but it's a moralistic tale in terms of a coming of age narrative experience which is something that I think Marvel used to trade on as Hallmark. The coming of age experience is the, def- you know, is the definition of Spider-Man. In so many ways, Strange Academy is a Spider-Man book just with none of the webbing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that read. The idea that, um, you know, you can't, you can't account for who your parents are. That's just, that's just dumb luck one way or the other. You know what you can account for is how you move through the world and the decisions that you make and you know letting yourself um just just grow from the experience whether it's a good one or a bad one and that's that's what all these kids are doing and i think doyle's arc particularly has been i mean like i was fully like adore mamu at strange academy (laughs) clutch those pearls but I am like fully on Team Doyle. I think he's rad. I want to be his friend. That's what it's like. And I don't want to be friends with anyone. So I oh. not sure. I want to be friends with everyone. Yeah, I was gonna say you want to be friends with everybody. Yeah, uh, he would be I, such a good sorcerer supreme. And he'd he'd have such a lovely, passionate, fiery heart about it. And you know, ultimately, that this is about forgiveness is good because we're going to need it for uh, Emily, who took the dark path to the darkest place that it could go. Um, unfortunately, I feel like a little bit of this has turned into like she's possessed or something, but... Yeah, it's gotta be a little bit something not... Yeah. She read the dark hold, and you know, she's going through <laughs> oh. it. That old classic. Dormammu arm. He's probably yeah. in her brain. Exactly. I so... really love how you say Dormammu. Like, oh, I, I say Dormammu. But, like, but like, the way you say Dormammu, like, I genuinely think it's great. <laughs> I love great. it. Dormammu. He's just in, like, a 90s. Yeah, because oh. I say it like Dormammal, but, like, you say it like Dormammu, and, like, you that's know, where it's at. I think they say Dormammu in the in the movies, but movie. Dormammu is just, it's it's just how I say it. You do? I you love like it. it. Doyle Dormammu. That's what. That's what. That's that's when he came to the United States. That's just how when they stamped his thing at Ellis Island. That's how they said it, and that's how it got. Submitted. It's been Americanized. And if he was if he was Italian, it would have originally been Dimamu. Hey, you know what? Don't ever let anybody mess with you because I called Captain Britain, Captain Britain for like the longest time. Like, oh my god, we all have those. That's that's a, being a kid reading comics. That's just yep. part of the. But um, I want to get everybody's last thoughts, you know, about both books, about this kind of like semi low stakes slice of Marvel magic world. Marvel magic is always going to be such an important thing. Um, But I think we typically see the big things happen in like strange and books associated with Doctor Strange. And so like these two are really fun because 
the stakes are a little bit different, if not lower at times. And I just want to know what y'all think. Um, I got to say for Strange, for Strange Academy, I was so glad to see the um, the story go back to where it was, like lighthearted a little bit. Uh, we got to see a lot of more of the humor. The It wasn't just like dark, heavy, like grunge Strange Academy. Um, for, okay. right? Um, for Midnight Suns, the, the big thing is this, that splash page at the end with all the dead people. I was like, Talisman's in that, like, the, she's in that. And I was like, why isn't Talisman in this run? And then I was like, why isn't she in the game too? And then like, it got me, <laughs> got me depressed. But then, like, I'm like, okay, at least somebody remember Talisman exists. So then I was happy. There's Her always time for DLC. I was going to say season pass. <laughs> more, more Alpha Flight weirdness. Sorry. <laughs> and, you know, if I had a, a final thought on either of these, it's that they're tailor-made for, the like, the download experience. You know, that's something that, like, I... I, as much as I love comic books, there's very few things I love quite as much as comic books, but one of them is game shows. And something I love about a really good game show is when any segment lifts out beautifully. And that's part of the commercial viability and the viral uh, effectiveness of game shows. When you can just lift that segment out and anybody can jump in on the win, the loss, the excitement, the production, the light, the sound, the design... It's about creating an entire microcosmic experience in three minutes. And these books forego some of the bound to the rest of the Marvel Universe to be kind of like a game show segment, kind of like watching Plinko in Price is Right. It's three minutes, it's quick, it's really enjoyable, it looks really good. And then George is going to say, you know, Alyssa. Well, I can't think of her last name now. Wong? No. No. No, I think she's um, an idiot. Milano? No, she's an idiot. <laughs> From Drag Race. Oh, Edwards. 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 Alyssa oh, Edwards. Oh. Yeah. Alyssa Edwards, come on down, right? Alyssa, there you go. No, hold on a second, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, as you give your last thoughts, give your sign off as well, because you are um, leaving us after this segment. Well, um, my last thoughts are, you know, honestly, it's a lot of fun getting more attention on the magic corners of the Marvel Universe. Um, I, 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 Nico, I really loved your thoughts on, on, on game shows as creating this like microcosm. I thought that was such a good, uh, so tight, because that really does apply here. Um, these are just sort of stories that are happening in their own little situation, and we're here to consume them and enjoy them and, you know, see the connective tissue through them. And they're doing a good job. They're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. Um, I'm looking at it right here. That's why I'm continuing to look this way. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I'm i especially here for the Strange Academy ride, but I'm also starting to play the Midnight Suns game, so the tie-in potential for this is really cute, and I, I don't I don't hate it. You got me, Marvel. Um, so signing off, this is me, Jake. I am uh, me uh, at uh, Omega Sentinel on Twitter or <laughs> um, The Heart Farmer on Instagram. Yeah, I forget my own handle. It's right in front of me, too, so there we go. Have a great night, everyone. And Jojo, your thoughts? Um, my head is not empty. There are thoughts in there. 
I mostly really enjoy Midnight Suns because as we keep talking about, they're pretending like it's this big world-ending disaster. There are. <laughs> it is not in the slightest. Nothing's gonna happen. It's a, it is very funny how much that everybody seems in on the act that it's really important and big, but it's really not. Um, and I like the costume design. I think the, the red and black looks sexy. I like the way everybody looks. I would just appreciate, and I'm not even looking for everybody to have these deep character moments. I'm not going for Oscar winning um, performances by everybody, but I would appreciate maybe a little bit more paying attention of, okay, not everybody needs to have one character trait. Everybody could be just slightly a little more well-rounded. Um, and I would appreciate maybe a little bit more variation in how each character is approaching the situation as opposed to, I'm sad. I'm, I want to do magic. I can't do magic without my staff. Stabby, stabby, claw. I'm she a also vampire. Get, she also gets flirty with Yana. So like, oh my god, it's so oh, hot. That's yeah. what I meant by magician's I, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want them to go on like a double date. It could be Nico, Carol, uh, Carolina, Magic, and Kate. And they could all just go on a double date and be... That sounds like a disaster. And I'm it's here a quad. <laughs> Every date with me is magic. Hey, what's up? I'm Nico. <laughs> That, that's Ileana's uh, dating profile. Kate that's, Pride that's or Katie saying. Powers? Kate Pride. Okay. No, five. Five now. Yeah, that's Kate Powers Power. is in the Carolina. Julie, 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 Powers. Julie, Julie, Powers. Julie, Julie Powers. Yeah, Julie Powers. Powers. Yeah. Katie, Katie's the young one. Katie's the is young that, one. Is, is that one of the, the power kids? Or yeah. Power yeah. Kids? Okay. yeah. Julie okay. Powers. Thank you, Julie Powers. Rather than discussing amazing Marvel lesbians, I think we're going to go to a break. <laughs> And then come back and talk about some uh, Marvel uh, horror and uh, magic ring things. Commercial time. It was Agatha all along. It is commercial time. Thanks, everyone. Because we are, of course, here to talk about Ghost Rider. We're also here to talk about Shang-Chi. Uh, Ghost Rider written by Benjamin Percy with uh, pencils by Corey Smith. Inks by Oren Jr., colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by BC's Travis Lanham. And then, of course, Shang-Chi uh, is Jean Lung Yang, Marcus Toe on pencils and inks, Eric Arseniega in colors, and letters by Travis Lanham again. Two stories. It's interesting the mix of like ongoings and minis that we have going on right now and where things are in terms of like, uh, these are two stories that both have announced that they are coming towards their end and I'm curious what you guys are feeling about both as Ghost Rider is going to come to some conclusion but then go on and do more story and we're coming to really the end for the foreseeable future of uh, Shang-Chi what do we think? So, I did some numbers because that's what I do yeah, I you do, do numbers, I love fucking numbers man and uh, the first Shang-Chi issue by Gene, uh, and, <clears throat> nice job there, Nico. The first Shang-Chi issue by Gene Len Yang was way back in uh, November of 2020. We ran five issues. Then we got that one shot, The Legend of Shang-Chi, which filled out the schedule a little bit. There was the four issue Infinity comic that took us all through September. We then had the three issues of the next volume, the identity story, issues four through 12 of that volume, followed by another identity story. 
Then, this six-issue series capped off with Shang-Chi Master of the Ten Rings, and while we are not yet talking about Shang-Chi Master of the Ten Rings, it is confirmed that that is the end of the story. And... I don't know. Like, we championed this book from day one. I don't feel like this isn't even a good ending, because, like, I... Having read it all already, I'm just going to say that the the final issue really doesn't do a lot more for this volume than this issue does. Um, it's not even unsatisfactory. It's that I don't trust that Marvel is going to keep running the ball with the same authentic voice, the same dexterous care for character. I believe that I just invested a lot of time and energy in what is going to be a beautiful omnibus. And that is the end of the sentence. I think it's it's nice that Zhang Chi actually got to have a writer who gave the character a voice that was something different than what he was in the 70s, which was, um, you know, oftentimes written by people maybe who had the best intentions, but was not uh, the, the best representation. Um, I think that we've gotten a voice with this character that is consistent and makes sense. Whereas throughout the 90s, whenever I would run into Shang-Chi, he would just be a character who would seem different every time because it was always as a guest shot, like a one shot, like the X-Men go to Hong Kong and there's Shang-Chi. And then like, you know, like it wasn't until recent years till like even like Gail Simone wrote him that I was like, oh, Shang-Chi yeah. could actually be a, a really cool character. And then, you know, obviously Shang-Chi got a lot more mainstream acceptance with the movie and we got to see a lot a better of a version of them it's sad to see it coming to an end and i get you that it's maybe not a satisfying conclusion to this arc in the story i concur i'm not this issue wasn't even bad um, I do think towards the end, it got a little, and this character is here, and this character, it felt like, oh, we have to tie up these ends somehow, so it did feel a little um, mismoshed of, like, dogpile of throwing all these characters way at the end to just kind of tie things up where they could, which I, I know it happens, you only have so much time. Um, my more so disappointment comes from, I don't really know if marvel has a lot of asian characters leading titles leading books and shang chi did a lot of great things uh especially under the pen of gene that i'm really am a little disappointed that we're not getting more um right now and it is a little bit of a you're making him into a cool character and i like these stories and i kind of want to yep. see these you know situations continue i mean especially if i get more of his siblings um hello I, I I will say it was a notable absence that uh, the siblings weren't here. Well, the good news is we will get a chance to talk about the siblings next month when we go over Master of the Ten Rings. Um, but as for this final issue of And the Ten Rings, in general, what did you think of the setup of you know this contest? It's tough because... I recognize the other stories that have done this as appropriation of these ideas from Asian culture because they're even used in stories that feature Asian-inspired characters. Mm -hmm. The 
problem isn't that the six issues of and the ten rings aren't terrific the problem is that the nine or ten issues of iron fist and the seven capital cities of heaven are fantastic and beautiful and feature a number of breathtaking asian characters who are unfortunately not written by asian voices which is disheartening though a number of those characters do show up here so the setup good the execution good it just wasn't given the room that a book was 10 15 years ago to kind of find who it was going to be like i I can't even imagine the number of books that could exist now if they were given that kind of time it it felt it felt almost like no stakes because like you knew shang chi was going to come out yes yes and and you're like oh okay cool this is how you get there but it was maybe rushed i don't know if like maybe you didn't have the room to breathe and at times i was kind of like wait why are they talking about all these rings so much is this the lord of the rings <laughs> like is this just precious like oh my god but yeah am i in the diamond district right now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was um it, it was it was fine but it it just wasn't a super compelling fresh in notes for this dynasty that he's created for Shang-Chi. I think I have to agree. I like the idea of Shang-Chi kind of being tested about the rings, talking about everything. I think the idea of him and his morality being at odds with what the rings stand for, I think that part of the story was really a lot more compelling than the actual tournament. I don't know if the tournament was the best setting to talk about this kind of situation, but I also, I don't know what the best way to talk about, you know, Shang-Chi's conflict with using the rings. It's too much power. He feels like it's, you know, going against what he wants to achieve his own moral standards and codes and guidelines that he follows. Um, So it's not, and I'm not going to call it bad. I enjoyed what I read, but I don't know if it's the most original idea for an idea of a test. I think if maybe there was a variation of this idea of a test and it pushed the boundaries of what are we defining as this test, I think that maybe would have been a little bit more exciting and a little bit more fresher, especially if um, this was going to be some of the last stuff we're getting of Shang-Chi for a little while. And if it wasn't that I feel like Shang-Chi is so capable like, and this this is another one. I feel like this might as well have been an episode that we called seven issues of comic books that are secretly about characters that are in movies and TV shows. But Shang-Chi <laughs> is like just a completely unrelated character to the film franchise in a way that they're not really worried yeah. about, right? This sure. Shang-Chi is a little bit more 36 and weathered by life, whereas Simu's Shang-Chi is so young and like beautiful in the character's history he's like 24 and he hasn't experienced the hardships that are gonna break him the way he's broken now and like they're not worried about lining those two characters up they don't want them to be the same but something i was thinking about that and it 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 fits this but guys we're getting dangerously close to where captain america is 100 years old 
Like, we're getting radically close to either Magneto is not a Holocaust survivor or Xavier is like a hundred as well. And like, we're getting dangerously close to some precipice that will affect the way stories are handled in the Marvel Universe. Yep. And Shang-Chi being decidedly ahead of the youthful joyousness of his of his youthful character is allowing us to transform dynamically that expectation. This Shang-Chi's got a little bit of like divorced dad energy and I like that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He's like, yes. you know, throwing himself into a new hobby, trying to, you know, when he moves into his new apartment, trying to find some new friends. Uh, it's Gets a vibe really that into I gaming. Yeah, yeah, that's his new hobby. He's trying to connect with his kids. <laughs> the opposite of Cyclops now, who's like 40-year-old dad who's trying to like eat a sandwich with his kids. I, yeah, like... that... I among us. <laughs> I am dad, and I among us. That's sussy. That's so sussy. That's sussy. He's like... (laughs) Meanwhile, the (laughs) one character in this whole thing who is maybe not getting a TV show anytime soon, Mr. Johnny Blaze, which is probably for the best. (laughs) Although, Nick Cage, Ghost Rider movies, beautiful. They were good. I don't think Marvel's super worried about associating those with this comic. No. You know, they're not hot garbage. Like, I I love that they get on a lot of those lists because then I think it gets people to watch them. Yeah. But, like, I'm not trying to be, like, get people on the internet angry, but you can't tell me that X-Men Apocalypse is a better film than Ghost Rider. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. They're just literally of the same ilk, and I I maybe even think it's a little mean to say that about Ghost Rider. uh, It is. I don't care for X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, that's not my movie. I maintain that people just don't enjoy camp and don't understand camp. Exactly. I I feel like that's actually the magic of this Ghost Rider, though. Yes. It's like there was this TV show in the 90s, and I'm either about to get a lot of what's or a lot of floods, but... uh, there was a TV show in the 90s called Forever Night. And Forever Night was about oh a detective God. vampire. And his hot lady, she was like 90s hot lady, um, like medical like love interest who he could never be with. And his cruel father figure who was a vampire. And the actual series finale is so fucked up. In the final season, they think they found a way that a vampire can like cure their vampirism by slowly draining the blood of a human if there's like an intense emotional connection, but you have to do it just right. And in the end, Nick doesn't do it just right, and he kills his love interest, so then his father figure has to execute him so he doesn't have to live with himself. And that's the end of the show! It's wild. But anyway, this has big that vibes. (laughs) How does this have big that vibes? (laughs) This is more like Friday the 13th TV series. Oh, man, they were in a block together. Nathan, you're killing me so good. Um, No, it's like it's like 90s buddy cop. It's dark. Uh, Hot lead. That's the fucking show. Kebo is the hero. Meet Detective Nick Knight. When the sun goes down, so does the crime rate. Forever night. 
And so then, wait, Kevy, can you um, circle the scary-looking albino-ish man uh, in the background? Uh, yeah, that one. He's the unforgiving uh, Lee, uh, like, you know, the, the, no, I hate you. And then that lady in the middle, in the purple, she's the love interest. Yeah, her, exactly. And this was Forever Night. It was a... Uh, the campiest show in the world. Nathan, if you've never watched this, I think you would genuinely love it. If you are someone who thinks Dark Angel, uh, starring Jessica Alba, is dystopian cinematic pop schlock masterpiece, then Forever Night is the show for you. Okay, we have gotten so far off the topic of Ghost Rider. Good, because I was the- going to almost talk about Baywatch Night, so good, go for it. Yes, anytime you want. <laughs> Except for literally right now when we're talking about Ghost Rider. <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't even know at this point. This book really, I I love it. I think it is so gorgeous. I think it is like horror perfection. Um, it just, it really surprises me that this is an ongoing, that this is like, they're like, to be concluded, but don't worry because we are setting up the next Ghost Rider story. Meanwhile, Clea Strange can't get a full like 12-ish it's devastating in the yeah. like yeah i very much agree it's because the hard part for me is that i've invested in this from the beginning with you like i think i actually was like hey we should do this and you were like um sure not that you were ever <laughs> like no but you i, I don't think we knew i didn't we think it was gonna into. get past issue two i thought it was gonna be one of those ones where they just like quietly cancel it like it sells <laughs> two issues and they quietly cancel it Exactly. I wasn't against doing it. I was just like, I don't all. think this yeah. is going to, I think we're going to tell people we're covering this book and then they're going to wonder what happened two months from now. Yeah. Okay. Like I was confused. Cause I, this is the first one I've read. <laughs> so nice. I was jumping in at a point. I was like, okay. But the thing that was, it's so weird when a city you're so familiar with shows up in a comic, right? Is so, this your Chicago? Yeah. So Chicago, and this is not my Chicago because this this Chicago is weird and doesn't exist <laughs> in this way. Like the 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 L train tunnels they went into are clearly modeled off of a certain streets uh, one State Street. So they like went into the State Street ones and there's traffic outside. But they go into the subway and there's like nobody in the tunnel except for that demon guy. I don't know what he was. Was he a demon guy who got ran hit by the train? Like, we yeah. don't really know. That's just like that's 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 what makes it such a horror comic book. Is it just has these moments where it's like, oh, and then there's a guy who's cutting out all his teeth who tries to stab you. Yeah, that was a little random. You know, yeah, uh, uh, genius. Un- She's so. Well, random. Oh, oh, I know who that. That was the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> uh, um, they met the Tooth Fairy, and the Tooth Fairy splattered. Um, I loved that the Ghost Rider turned a train into his ride. Brilliant. That was pretty that was amazing. Pretty um, and now that just, I think that just opens up the idea for so much uh, creativity and fan art for people to be like, what constitutes a vehicle? Oh, what does this look like if it's under the Hellfire uh, uh, visage, if you will? It actually turns out that um, the All Rider is so powerful that he can drive a symbiote. 
I mean, he drove a Celestial, so I think that's like a yeah. little yeah. bit more. Uh, I don't know. He drove the symbiote, a symbiote right off of the Black Skull. He was just like, "What is the symbiote?" But a like a mode of transportation. And what am I? I'm a I'm a chauffeur. And like, just blew the symbiote off the boy. It was amazing. And I think that's what makes this book so interesting is that, like, we have these omniversal Avengers that are being touted as, like, these are the pillars of superhero-dom and Avenger-dom, and, like, the All-Rider can do anything. And here we have the original Ghost Rider doing very original Ghost Rider stuff. And yes. maybe it's unfortunate that we don't get more of that for the other characters. I think it's working re out really well for, like, Ben Percy and us as readers, but I remain unsure about where Johnny Blaze is going. And that's kind of my final comment. I'd love to get yours about this book, where it could be going next. And then, you know, of course, Shang-Chi. I did just kind of want to talk about a little bit this this final issue of the series, but I think we're really gonna get into it when we talk about Master of the Ten Rings and we kind of really eulogize the end of Shang-Chi's time. You know, I just really feel like Ghost Rider has been an exciting ride. Talia has taken a very long time to come into her own, but she is such a terrific character. She's um, she's beautiful. She's a model. She looks like an undead Linda Evangelista. <laughs> that is um, all correct. She is a goth queen. Um, she is. She's Callisto. Come on, just yes, like, beautiful model Callisto. Yeah, I, I think she's the standout of this book. And I really hope to see Ben Percy and women, specifically women, who know this craft and know this genre get to finally show off their skills on characters like her while getting to create their own. This is a very Ben Percy book. It, 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 like, it like eats, drinks, breathes Ben Percy. Yeah. Like if, if if it were set in the wilderness, I would be afraid it was Wolverine. Um, but uh, I, Talia is great. I, ben Percy has this great thing about creating some side characters that I end up loving a lot more than the main character of the book, like Louise and Wolverine. I'm like, where the hell is she? She needs to come back. But like, you know, um, it's it's cool. It's interesting. I'm excited to see where this turns out. And it's it's actually the first time I've been excited to read a Blackheart story, which is like never. So so yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm having a real good old time with Ghost Rider. Uh I this is my first time ever reading Johnny Blaze, and I will say I'm enjoying this. He really hasn't eclipsed my enjoyment and love for Robbie. So I'm still enjoying this, and there's really, um, this is probably some of my favorite work that I'm reading from Ben Percy, so I'm really, like, appreciative of, like, he, like, really, I think, understands the genre of where Ghost Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider, uh, excels tremendously, and, um, I'm really just, you know, I'm enjoying this ride, and I'm enjoying what I'm reading, though, this this is a little, um, I, I guess my, my one complaint would be like, and now we're fighting these demons, and then there's a bunch of demons here, and then, oh, yeah, random unhoused guy who's trying to steal my teeth. I, I don't... <laughs> it's a little... It's a little lot uh, going on. Um, but I thought this issue was was pretty stellar, and I'm only just sad that this 
is for now what seems like the uh we're saying goodbye to shang chi and you know just kind of waiting for when we get to see him again <sighs> well gentlemen and listeners all of our amazing fans it is so great that you have stuck with us these two plus hours oh it is, oh it's kevo, <laughs> kevo. I get it. you want to talk about ghost rider no no i'm good he's I... a dude <laughs> on a flaming motorcycle or train, train. or I mean, train we could... or anything from my understanding anything <laughs> We could talk about the weird picture of Dr. Crusher as Ghost Rider that I saw going around again that keeps going around. And I'm like, I'm like, that's a horrible joke. <laughs> I get it now. It took me a second. That's good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw your background. I like it. I like it. Um, no, no, no. And you were wrapping up. I heard. I, I clicked myself by accident. But here, then I'm, I'm here for the outro, I guess. Yeah, hang out. Wrap up, Nico. All right. Well, as always, we love making this show for you multiple times a week, every week. We love this live shit. It's amazing. And uh, I would love to get sign-offs from everybody. And uh, on your way out the door, just tell us how damn cool you thought the books we talked about, what your favorite book was, right? Uh, you can find me at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And uh, my favorite book that we talked about today was probably Midnight Suns 4. Uh, I'm Nathan. You can find me at Desler AOA. And I think my favorite book has to have been Monica Rambo Photon. I'm TK. You can find me at XNate, X Gray X. And I'm going to give it to Strange Academy. And I'm Jonah. You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. And my favorite book this week was probably Ghost Rider. Nice. Well, you can find out all about the show at xsforpodcast.com and at Hubs Plus Network on YouTube, where you can find more amazing content from so many of the brilliant voices on this channel. Plus, absolutely everybody you saw today can be found in the amazing archive for Xs for Podcast Live. And until next time, keep those mutant lights lit, those Krakoan gateways open. Remember, on some level, it's always kind of a Spider-Girl world, right? But otherwise... Stay tuned when we come back for an all X-Men episode next Sunday with an X's for Podcast Live. <laughs>